When you're an American Express Platinum Card member, don't be surprised if you say things like, Chef, what course are we on? I've, I've lost count. Or, shoot that, shoot that! And even, checkout's not until 4, so... Because the American Express Platinum Card offers access to exclusive reservations at renowned restaurants, elevated experiences at live events, and 4 p.m. late checkout at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your experiences at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Terms apply. Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your Cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code WONDERY to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Now entering Nerdist.com. tonight is a Golden Globe and three-time Emmy Award winner. She's one of the funniest people in show business, one of the sweetest people I've been fortunate enough to get to know. She's incredible with improv, uh, and we all witnessed that with Christopher Guest in films like Best in Show, Mighty Wind, For Your Consideration. But it was the slushy-slamming high school cheerleader coach, Sue Sylvester, that brought her into our living rooms every week on Glee. And also, thanks to her show Hollywood Game Net, which I've done, and it's so much fun, she's the only person in town who can blow popcorn into a celebrity's face for getting an answer wrong without someone calling TMZ. Uh, it's a delightful experience. I hope you all get to have the popcorn experience at some point. But tonight, Jane Lynch will be talking with Chris Hardwick. room full of Jane Lynch fans here. We've all heard from you on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, using at talking. I'm going to read questions, comments, comments. Uh, use the hashtag talking hardwick if you feel like it, or don't. I'm not the boss of you. Uh, but we're going to get some video messages in here for Jane. Plus, you guys are all going to have a chance to ask some questions. I'm going to give you, I have a crate full of Jane Lynch-related prizes here for you. But first, um, I have, it has been so delightful to get to know you. Back at you. I mean, seriously, because we've always, you know, we, I think our, our friend circles were sort of close-ish to mm-hmm. each other. Mm-hmm. And, then, uh, and then I did a Hollywood game night, which was incredible. You were great. I, thank you so much. It was, I was really nervous. You did it great. And I just have to tell you about the, the blowing the popcorn in the face game. Um, we always have a, a regular person who's not a celebrity. And he knew that she got the answer wrong. And he knew that she was going to get popcorn in her face, and he dove in and took it for her. I did. I That's did. when I fell in love with I, her. I, I did a slow-mo dive yeah, in. Did a slow-mo wow, it was so much fun. <laughs> and then Jane and I ran into each other at, a, at one of these really long... When you work for shows, you have to do these long press days. Yes. Where you just go through and you talk to a million people and you answer the same five questions, and... And it's always fun to see people that you know there. Yeah. Like, oh, you got to do this too. <laughs> right, right. And I ran into you there, and that night I sent you a direct message on Twitter. I said, here's my phone number, here's my email. I, I need to be friends with you. I hope that's not creepy. It was fantastic. Good. And I returned it immediately. Immediately. And look, so, here we are. And here we are. So yes. thank you. Thank you for being here. I don't, uh, were you in Second City? Did you tour I did. with Second City? I toured with Second City. I wasn't on stage, but I toured with Second City like in 1987 through 1988, I think. And where were you guys touring and what were you touring? Mainly St. Louis. <laughs> I felt like we went to St. Louis a hundred times. Um, we were all over the country in a van. Right. Uh, there were, uh, I'm trying to think if you would know, Stephen Colbert was oh, yeah, there at course. the time, Stephen Carell. I've heard of them. Yeah. Indeed. Um, uh, Tim Meadows was actually in my little, my cast. Um, It was uh, five men and two uh, girls, and we just drove the van all over the country, and we would do um, the sketch comedy, the best of Second City. We didn't improvise very much. We would do the sketches that really worked on stage, and we would do like an hour and a half show, and you know, it was life on the road. It was really fun. I was young, and, uh, you know, you didn't care that you were staying in the worst hotels with a roommate. Right. You know, 
And, and so were you performing at colleges or corporate Yeah, a events? lot of colleges, a lot, yeah, all those things where you have to incorporate like the CEO's name into your joke, that kind of thing. <laughs> they but tell yeah. you which guy to make fun. You gotta make fun of Irv in accounting. That guy is yeah, a hoot. And exactly. then it turns out Irv is not a hoot yeah, at all. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So we had a lot of that, but it was a lot of corporate events, a lot of colleges, and then like little theater. We um, played in some really great like historic theaters in tiny towns, you know? It was yeah. Really great. And so was your, was your career plan like, I'm gonna, I'm just, I'm gonna go into comedy or I wanna be a no. performer? What, what did well, you do? Well, I do? wanted to be a performer. I wanted to, um, you know, I always wanted to be an actor, but I, I, and I was always funny, so I would get the funny part, but um, I went to school for uh, acting. I went to like a professional training program at Cornell where we learned to fence and, and do ballet and uh, we did check off and, um, you know, we had like method acting classes. We had voice uh, lessons and that sort of thing. And I thought I would be, you know, a repertory actor. Right. You know, like somebody who ends up at like the Guthrie or something and you just do play after play. And then, uh, you know, uh, all, all great plans, you know, that you make for yourself. And then what really happens is always different. I got an audition for the Second City uh, Touring Company, and that's what started the whole sketch thing for me. Sure. And w- was improv any part of the program? Or- um, yeah, well, you had to improvise in order to, uh, to audition. And the, the bulk of the improvisation takes place with the cast that's doing the, um, the residents you know, that, that are in Chicago. So, yeah. And then they, they improvise to create the show. And then the show basically stays the same from there. And they'll do an improv set at the end. And I, I did some, I was Bonnie Hunt's understudy. Oh, wow. So I got to go on for her a lot of the time. And then you would do improv at the end of the night. And that was my least favorite part. Uh, that's the part that scared me the most. But you're so good at it, though. Oh, I, I, you know what? There's different. Um, you know how, uh, like, Second City, you say, oh, give me a first line of dialogue, sure. that type of thing. Um, with the Christopher Guest movies, he's not, you're not running to the joke. It, you, you're, you're kind of creating the situation. It can take as long as you want. Because he gets in there and he edits it. Right. So you're not, there's no pressure to be funny. Right. You know, it's just tell the story. Yeah. So it's a different thing than, you know, like, what can I say that's funny that'll get Well, the yeah, because I think that's a, I think sometimes when people think of improv that way, they think of like, oh, I'm going to go on a Saturday night and see a comedy improv show right. that's very joke-based. Yeah. But there is... You know, but but uh, but the other side of improv is long form story yes. building, team Herald. exercises, yeah, yeah. and you're really together finding how these characters yes. relate to one now, another. Now, do you do you do Harold's? No, I, I mean I I tried it early on, and you know I for me I always wanted to be a stand up. Oh right, and I think and, and the stand up gene kind of crushes sure. the improv gene because yeah. stand up is all about you. And improv yes. and sketch is all about the group. Yeah, it's a, it's a team sport. Yeah, indeed. so I think I think people can cross over very easily from improv and sketch to stand-up. Yeah. But I think it's it's difficult to do it the other way. Yeah, it is. You know, what's interesting, on um, Hollywood Game Night, we've had a few stand-ups. You are excluded from this uh, broad generalization I'm about to make. All right. These, the, the, guys, the guys and gals who are stand-ups weren't as much of a team player. And were kind of out of their element. Sure. You know, they were kind of, un- there were a couple that, a couple of them were really uncomfortable. Yeah, because when you're, when you're doing stand-up, it's just you and the audience and right. you're in control of everything. Yes. And so when you put stand-ups in a situation where they have to improvise with someone else, yeah. you will find that they, the stand-up gene makes them go for the joke over the scene. Yes. And then take control. Exactly. Go, I'm this person, you're a, you're a baby delivery nurse, you're a vet. <laughs> and everyone's like, whoa, 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 hey, we, we're supposed to choose those things. Exactly. Yeah. And I love, what I I love about stand-up, and it's the reason I don't do it. A lot of people think I am a comedian. I'm not. I just host things. Um, and what I love about like what you guys do is how precise the precision. Now I understand that. I get that. You know, you map out the whole set, and you know, you know where you're going to hit the joke, and you know how to throw the joke away, and you get it. It like gets in your body almost like a dance. It does. But I, I've always, I'm always so impressed by really good improv uh, and really good sketch because you really understand how to work together and you really understand, especially with improv, how to yeah. be flexible. Yeah. And I think flexibility is the most important tool set for a performer. Absolutely. And you must have learned, especially because even though you're doing sketches on the road, every show is different. And I'm Completely. sure you're in a lot of like shitty venues with people who aren't paying right. attention. And we're having fun with each other. Yeah, and, yeah exactly. absolutely. It, the flexibility is a big deal. One of the things I learned right away is you cannot have a preconceived idea about how you're going to do a scene. You really, it, it doesn't happen until you're acting with the other person. And, it, and then, it, it, like you said, it happens completely differently every night. You might have the same lines and the same movement, but it's a completely different animal every night. And yeah. I love that. And you, you can't, like, stand firm in, in your, no, I do it this way. You have to really allow no. yourself to open up. And, and then, you're, of course, I remember when I uh, 
first started at uh, Second City, the guy, Jeff Machowski, was our um, director, and he said, be ready to fail 85% of the time. <laughs> yeah, and, yeah. Yeah. And as long as you, as long as you know that that's, can happen, yeah. and then it does, and then you go, oh, okay, that's but even not... even failure's great. That's why people come to improv shows, to see everybody, like, kind of goof up and, and pick up the pieces and make something out of it. I think that's yeah. the fun thing about it. I agree, because you are essentially, when an audience comes to a show, no matter what type of uh, performance it is, I feel like they are asking to be taken on a journey. They are, at, they, yes. are, they are putting their faith in whoever is on stage, whether it's a group or a person, that that person can lead them yes. in some place. So if you fuck up and... If, but if you're like, oh, my God, I'm so sorry, then the audience immediately loses faith. Right. And they go, okay, this person couldn't handle it. Right, right. But if you don't, if you're, if you're, if you roll with it and you're yeah. cool with it and you turn it into a joke, then, then it's a nice part of an experience that you all share I think together. that's the important part about, and this goes for acting in plays and uh, anything live, is confidence is the most important thing. I think you can stink the joint up and make you have the worst <laughs> jokes in the world. But if you're confident and you're standing up there kind of, you know, you, you know when you fail, quote unquote, there really is no failure. But the audience can then relax. Yeah. And like you said, take you on this journey. So confidence means so much. And when somebody's up there and they're new and they're kind of second guessing themselves and or they're trying to run in with just a joke, you know, uh, like sometimes people do. They'll take over a scene and just to get their joke in. You, the audience can feel that and they lose trust in you. Sure. Now, I... I view you as a very confident person because I know how uh, amazing you are as a performer. But you have perfect posture. Your posture—you have—you uh, have a—you have a perfect spinal. I mean, it's perfect. <laughs> it's even watching the like segments of the Vogue Madonna, yeah. and I'm like, she's got perfect posture. It is, but I needed to learn how to like loose. I was watching the Vogue thing backstage, and I mean, there was—I looked kind of like a statue, you know. <laughs> I think it. I think it. I think it made me go. Oh yeah, Madonna. What Madonna does is not that. Like Jane Lynch could be Madonna. Like, you could absolutely <laughs> oh, be Madonna. Yeah, but were you always was was confidence something that you was just innately part of your personality? Were you always comfortable with who you were? Did you always know? You know what? I was always more comfortable on stage than I was with myself off stage. And now I think they match. Um, I, I, I because you kind of don't. I, I I don't worry about things like I used to when I was younger. But I definitely um, when I was younger, I I didn't have uh, confidence in myself socially or um, the ability to get a job. But once I got it, I knew I'd be fine. Who, who was your group in high school? Like, what was your uh, clique? Well, I had this guy, Chris. He was gay. And um, I was gay. We never told each other. And Chris. Chris, yeah. Jane and Chris. And people would good say, to see Jane you again. Is, yeah, good to see you yeah. again, my friend. Yeah, thank um, you. Uh, they, people would say, Jane is great. Chris is great. Jane and Chris are trouble. <laughs> we, were, we were trouble. And we, were, we would smoke and we would get high. And we, we, but we loved, um, we loved uh, choir. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was mostly drinking. You know, we, there have been so many amazing points about, about how to be comfortable with yourself and how to do improv. And we'll get and the rise from you. Go, we used to get high. <laughs> and yet we'd go to choir. Yeah. We'd, we'd cut all of our classes, but we'd show up at choir. Uh-huh. We'd show up for play practice. So we were kind of, he was kind of more on the outs than I was in terms of like the social hierarchy. I was, um, I kind of floated. Gotcha. You know, I, I had uh, I stayed under the radar, and I had friends who were cheerleaders. I had some friends who were basketball players. I kind of, but he was my closest. And so you said you were both gay but didn't know it. Well, did we you, knew it, but you we knew it. certainly weren't talking about it. You didn't it. talk about it. Where no. did you grow up? Uh, the south side of Chicago in a suburb. Gotcha. All really? right. Oh, hey. Hey, dr- drugs in Chi-Town, you guys. Yeah, that's what fuels this crowd. Cornridge High School, yeah. Yeah, thick pizza and weed. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> people are into. I mean, at, at that time, was, it something, was that just not something people were talking no, about? No, no, it was a completely different time. You, you, nobody talked about it. Um, we, it I, I never heard the word. I mean, did you, but you must, but you knew. I knew there was something going on right. with me that wasn't right. Well, and I you, felt who, like I had a disease. Who do you talk to at I that didn't. point? I didn't. I talked to nobody. Yeah. Talked to nobody. And, and he would, like, sneak off and go to um, Chicago on the weekends, and he'd go to bars and stuff. And I had no idea. So at what point did you realize, oh, okay, this is who I am, and that's okay? A theater. When I got into theater, it's teaming with gay people. Sure. <laughs> <Absolutely>. <laughs> 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 Yeah. You know, when you're hanging out in, like, uh, arty circles, uh, you, you run into that. There's, you know, people are who they are, and there's much less judgment. I was going to say no judgment. There, were, there was some, but, um, you know, it was, it was a much easier uh, line of work to be a gay person. And, and I, believe me, I wasn't walking around with a rainbow flag. Sure. I still had some, you know, uh, uh, kind of self-hating homophobia. Um, 
in, in live, still living inside of me. But eventually that, that went away. The big t- when I told my parents, I didn't tell my parents until I was about 32. And um, once I told my parents, it was just, you know, once I knew they were okay with me, I didn't, the world was... And they were cool. They were, oh, they were. But if I had come out when I was 18, it would have been a different story, I think. It would have been much harder. I mean, I, I, one of the reasons why I think it's really important to hear stories like that or talk about it is because I just think you achieving what you've achieved and being as beloved as you are, to hear you talk about it in just very normal terms is just, it normalizes and it just makes yeah. you feel like, yeah, yeah, it's okay, it's fine. Don't, yeah. don't beat yourself up about it. Just learn to accept who you are. Yeah, and it's really tough for kids. And, you know, we're, we're in a crazy political climate right now, too, but... I know it's tough for kids who don't live in New York, Chicago, and uh, Los Angeles yeah. or, or near a big city. It's still really, really, can be really tough. They can be taking their lives in their, own, you know, in their hands to be open and out about that. So, you know, I just always say move to a big city. <laughs> Get an improv comedy. <laughs> we'll love you. <laughs> well, what is it, you know, what, what advice do you have for young people who are trying to figure out their identity and maybe don't feel as accepted in their own immediate circles? Like, what, what can they do or what I would you say to tough. them? I think it's tough. You know, I think, it's, uh, I, I think if you're in a, a, a town or, you know, part of the country that doesn't accept it, you do have to be quiet because it can be dangerous. Right. Um, but, you know, just know that there's a lot of love in the world um, and just get yourself to a big city. Yeah. And that, it'll change eventually. It'll, it'll, all, it'll all change. It'll be normalized. Yeah, I think it's but... important to, if, if you feel like you're, commu- if you feel like, you know, hey, I, I can't, I don't feel comfortable conforming to this community that I'm in. Yeah. Go to a different community. That's exactly what <laughs> yeah. I did too. And thank God I wanted to be an actress because, um, you know, I, if I had stayed where I was, it would have been, I think, a rough, I think I'd be a lot fatter than I am. <laughs> I would be an active alcoholic. <laughs> just, just trying to mush it all down. Trying to mush it all down. Talking, getting mad at everyone. Some every time someone mentions New York pizza, yeah, yeah. that pizza's the worst. What are you talking about? <laughs> People care more about pizza than most social issues. Yeah. That if you go to Chicago and say New York pizza, they, someone will kick the shit out well, of you. Well, here's the thing: you're, you're incorrect in saying that the thick pizza is the Chicago pizza. That's t- Chicago tourist pizza. Oh, gotcha. Um, I'm from the south side of Chicago, and there's a, a restaurant called um, Aurelio's, and it has the best pizza, and they now have a um, store in uh, Chicago proper. But it's um, very thin crust, and the tomato sauce is almost sweet, mm-hmm. and um, it's, it's, it's crispy and sweet, and then you got the spicy sausage. It's, it's amazing. Sounds a little like New York pizza to me. I'm yeah. not going to say anything. <laughs> no, I haven't had good pizza in New York, though. I, you haven't? I, no, I haven't. Where, where should I go? What oh, about Ray's on every corner? I like, know. I, it's no, not good. It's, no, you don't like no, it? No, I don't like it at all. I, there's nothing to write home about. I'm sorry. <laughs> Dear Mom and Dad, yeah. do I have a pizza <laughs> tale for you? Yeah, the most mediocre pizza I ever... <laughs> not gonna, why would you even waste the, right, the exactly. stamp on this? And who writes letters? Who writes letters? Letters about people. Who writes letters? Period. Anymore. I know. I know. Really. I mean, in our in our ever changing landscape of depersonalization, where it's more and more and more digital. Yes. Um, So, uh, Christopher Guest, how how was how did you how did you guys stumble upon? Yeah, how'd you guys hook up? Um, I was um, uh, doing a lot of commercials in the year 1999. In the 1900s. It was was the it was the year of Jane Lynch in 1999, (laughs) commercial wise, the last century. I did like seven or eight uh, national commercials, and one of them was um, decorated was directed. By Christopher Guest, and I didn't know until I showed up for the um, the callback, and I had seen Waiting for Guffman, mm-hmm. and I was in love with Waiting for Guffman, which was his actually second film like this. The first was Spinal Tap, but this was the first one he directed, and so uh, I, I did this uh, Kellogg's Frosted Flakes commercial with him, and then at lunch he said, you know, I do movies, and I was like, yeah, I know, and, um, <laughs> and he said, uh, I'd love to work with you again, and I said, oh, wow, well, that would be great, and within about six months, I ran into him at a restaurant, and uh, he cast me in Best in Show. Uh, did you say that was great? Or you say that's great. That's great. I mean, he's uh, he did. I remember auditioning for him for a commercial in oh, yeah. probably like 2000 or 2001 yeah, or something, yeah. and I was still, I was a mess at that time. I was, I was still drinking, and I was smoking, and I, I auditioned for him, and he was really nice, and I was outside smoking, and he came out, and he goes, uh, I'd never met him before, and he goes, what are, you, what are you doing? And I go, what do you mean? He goes, you're smoking. You're a young guy. What are you doing? Why are you doing this to yourself? And I go, I'm, I'm cool. And, uh, and then I saw, and then an ash from the cigarette, like, floated up in the air and landed on his sweater. And he's very meticulous. He seems very meticulous. Yes, yes. And I just immediately saw him go, 
like that. And I was like, well, I'm not booking this yeah, job. Right, right, I, right. Just, I just ashed on Christopher Guest. Right, right, right. Uh, and then I just assumed that he would forget forget my face and name altogether. But yeah. he seems like uh, seems like such an interesting he is. force. He, uh, yeah, force is the word, too. You know, he doesn't suffer fools, and he... Uh, um, he doesn't care if you're uncomfortable. <laughs> he's, he's, and, and yet he's also, uh, God, he's, he's like an amazingly supportive guy. You know, he rarely will laugh out loud, but if you can get him to laugh out loud or at least go, <laughs> you know, it was a pretty good joke. Yeah, I, I had done that until I put cigarette ash on him, yeah. and then he was not laughing yeah. so hard anymore. So what, is the, what, what does a day look like when you show up, you know, on any of any Best in Show or Mighty right. Wind? Do you, do, you, do you have some idea of what you're supposed to accomplish that day? Yes, we do. Um, he, he, we don't have a script, but we have a scenario. So uh, he'll, it'll be like uh, exterior um, uh, in front of the dog show in the parking lot. So and so and such and such talk about how nervous they are, you know, and how they lost last year and how they're hoping to place this year. And then you've, you've got that information that's important. And then you can go from there wherever you want to go. And there's no rehearsal. Um, you do all your, your prep ahead of time. And again, it's not one of those things that you can really plan. You kind of ruin it if you plan. Like, I had some stories that I was going to tell as my character, and that was a good way to um, get into the character was I would sit in the mirror and tell, my, tell stories and talk to myself in the mirror. But, you know, when you're f- facing Jennifer Coolidge, and right. she's giving you some, you just have to be there in the moment. Right. You have to really know who your person is, and you have to just be there in the moment. And um, the scenes can go on forever, the sh- shooting of the scenes. But then he gets in there, and I remember uh, I was out of gas completely. I had nothing else to say. And he's, you hear the camera going, <laughs> Right. <laughs> Better come up with something else. So, and so Jen Coolidge, because by the way, the, the 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 assembly of performers that he works with are all like comedy stars. Yeah. And and a lot of them, you know, were people that you had seen around and go, I know that phase, you know, but. But he really pulled this group of talent together, yeah. and then they all blossomed in the way that they were. But Jennifer yeah. Coolidge, I think, was a groundling. She was a groundling, absolutely. And, but like a legendary groundling. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, uh, and fun. Huge choices. Huge, huge choices. Fun in a crazy, crazy way. Yeah. And uh, so do you have any good Jen Coolidge stories? Well, she and I uh, went to Stanley. We were in um, Vancouver. Yeah. So we, w- went, we would walk to Stanley Park every day. Because we didn't, we didn't work every day. We would work like we were in Vancouver for like a month, and we would work two or three days a week. And um, we talked a lot about our characters together, which is not any... I wouldn't do that with the other films. We didn't... I mean, just because we didn't have time. But we had all this time, so we would have a lot of fun. But she was watching porno every night. <laughs> for some reason, she got it for free. And she said, I can't take my eyes off. <laughs> so when we were in Stanley Park, she would act some scenes out for me. She'd get on a park bench, and she'd grab a hold of it. And then he did this while she did that. And it, so it was a lot of fun. And then we went hiking once. Oh, we went through, uh, you know, like the interior of the park, and we got lost. And we were starving. We hadn't eaten anything. And we were, couldn't find our way out of the park. And uh, finally, we ran into some people. We were, like, deep in the woods. We ran into some people, and um, I said, how do you get out of here? And they said, oh, you have to go this way, that way. And they were eating um, uh, raisins and carrots. And I said, can I have a carrot? <laughs> And they said yes, and then Jen stuck her head around and said, can my friend have a carrot? (laughs) They fed us, so we didn't pass out. So you're you're basically just like rabbits in the forest (laughs) feeding us whatever you can get a hold of. And then she would lose her wallet daily. uh, Daily. And I would, because she's one of these, like, brilliant, spacey people. So we would get back to the hotel, and she'd call and say, you don't have my wallet, do you? (laughs) Don't worry about it. And I'd go back out in the rain. I, like... Would go to every restaurant or store we had been to, and I would find her wallet for. It. Well, that's it. You know, it's interesting that you say that because I think there is the the kind of mythos of the genius performer who's yeah. who's so like when they're on, it's like the most incredible thing that you've seen. But in life, they just you know, if yeah. their head wasn't screwed on, exactly. She's one of those. She, she does this a lot. Hmm. <laughs> She's always trying to put pieces together. <laughs> so how are you? How are you so together and still have all of the comedy superpowers? Oh, well, thank you for saying that. But, uh, you know, when people ask you if you couldn't act, what would you do? I'd be an assistant for sure. I love details. I love taking care of. I'd be a great wife. I like taking, you know, in the traditional sense. Sure. um, I love taking care of things. I don't like to cook. But I like details. I like keeping, and I get such satisfaction out of that. And you feel like that aids in, for you as a performer? I think so. I think, you know what I do, uh, one of the it is I, I even though you want to be uh, you know flexible as I was saying earlier you were saying and I echoed 
um, I still kind of map stuff out. I map it out pretty well. Even when if I'm improvising, I map out my character really well. I don't know what's going to happen within the scene, but I'm uber, uber prepared. Yeah. And um, I work things to death. And I love it. I love it. That's my favorite thing in the world to do is to like really like work the inflection of a joke and come up with a new joke. And, you know, that's my favorite thing. So if, so if you're, so you're, you're touring with Second City in like 87 for right. a couple of years. And then you said 99 is when you started the year of Jane Lynch where you started yes. doing commercials. So I did say that, didn't what, how, I? How? <laughs> I mean, America collectively said it. Too, right, that's true. I'm just Tony, echoing Tony them. the Tiger said it, too. Right. <laughs> uh, but this whole time, you know, what's going on? What is your... Because when do you feel like your career really started to pop? When do you sort of feel like, aha, I think this is the thing that I was always striving for? I guess for. I loved it the whole time. You know, I really did love it the whole time. I, I, I would... Like, if it all went away today, I would, I would do a production of Gypsy in Palmdale. I just would. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I think uh, probably best in show, though, is when people started to know my name. But before that, I was guest starring on, um, oh, my God, you see my IMDb page. It's oh, like, I have. Uh, I have a bunch of TV credits I, I here. I did a bunch of guest spots on so many things, like two, three lines. Here Sometimes we go. I get a couple of scenes. Do you want this list here? Sure. Just to take you down. Married with Children, Party of Five, News Radio, Sybil, Third Rock from the Sun, Dharma and Greg, Gilmore Girls, Dawson's Creek, West Wing, X-Files, Felicity, Seventh Heaven, Arrest Development, Friends, Veronica Mars, CSI, Weeds, Desperate Housewives, New Adventures of Old Christine, Two and a Half Men, My Name is Earl, Psych. Those are just the TV credits. Uh, I mean... So I like to work. They're... And I liked, I used to like to audition, not anymore, but oh, it's the, I had to spice it now. How did you like, I, okay, yeah, and then I want to hear about your worst commercial audition, because okay. commercial auditions are the soul-sucking. Yeah, they are, aren't they? Yeah. yeah they don't, when they don't, I'll just tell you, I don't have a specific instance, but it's when they don't even look up. Right. When you walk into the room and they're like, they're the, these depressed people, they take the camera, make sure you're in it, and say, go. <laughs> oh, it's the worst, and there's 20 billion people waiting to get in. Yeah, those are the worst. Yeah, and there's just like, yeah. and they always, you know, it's, there are these, like, audition centers. Yes. Where it's like one studio is all, like, guys auditioning for a deodorant, and then, uh, you know, a bunch of kids running around right. with where you can see the fragile, the frazzled stage moms yes, who are like, exactly. I never got my shot! You know? <laughs> it's just like the sad. Yeah. Like, everything about it's yeah, such yeah. a bummer. Yeah. I think that is almost a, if you can survive it. Yeah then it really gives you strength and some tool sets. It can, or it can turn you into a monster, too. It can. Because some people, I think, uh, like, uh, act like assholes just yeah. because they were treated so badly right. way back when. But I think probably for both of us, it gave us a humility. We're like, now when people get us... Co- Look, I have two drinks here. <laughs> you do. Yeah, one, one. you got some black tea there, yeah, and you and got, got some, some water. Coffee. You got some co- coffee, got coffee and tea. I have coffee and tea. Yes, I'm so hopped up right now. <laughs> <laughs> At any second, you're just going to launch off the... Launch off the yes. chair. Jane Lynch yeah. ran into the audience and high-fived everyone. <laughs> then she wanted to start a business. It was crazy. <laughs> uh, but I, I, I really think that being able to overcome, and even just hearing you say, oh, it was fun the entire time. <laughs> that's such a valuable lesson for really enjoying the process and not being so goal-oriented. Yeah, I, didn't, I don't have goals, and I don't recommend them either. <laughs> I've done a couple of college speeches now where you, know, where you get the honorary degree right. and stuff. And the first thing I say is don't have any ambitions or goals. Just see what rolls in at your feet. <laughs> really, that's a, and have fun while you're doing it. I, I, I love all of it. And, you know, there was a part of me, I think I almost quit the business for seven minutes. I was hiking Runyon Canyon, and I went, rah, 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 rah. and then by the time I got to the bottom of Runyon Canyon, I was ready to audition again. You just walked right into an audition. <laughs> yeah, I walked right, yeah, right, 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 right into another audition. <laughs> I mean, you. I, I, there are a lot. A lot of your characters are very authoritative. Yes. And what do you? What do you attribute that to? Well, I'm a six foot tall woman, <laughs> and that, that's it. And I, I have terrific posture, as you brought you up. You do. It's incredible. <laughs> I'm jealous of it. I think there's a, an imposing. Just physically, I'm imposing, and um, I, you know, I have people who look right at me, and say, "Can I help you, sir?" And oh. they're looking right at me, because I've got kind of like a masculine energy that that. You know, if you're not really paying attention, you'll, you'll say, can I help and do you, you And do you ever say, like, what the fuck is wrong with you? <laughs> no, I haven't. I usually let, wait for them to get it. <laughs> go, oh, I'm sorry. And I go, oh, it happens all the time. Don't oh, that's so, that's so yeah. nice. So, but, but, I mean, I think having that, I mean, that's just, not, when you're talking about flexibility, that's not just work flexibility, but that you seem to have a general emotional flexibility with the world. I remember when I was a kid, though, I walked into the, uh, we were at uh, the movie theater, and I walked into the ladies' room, and it was one of those huge lady room, ladies' rooms, and a mother looked at me, and I think I probably was a little butchier back when I was a kid, too, walked out and looked at the sign oh, to no. make sure. That hurt my feelings. Well, of course it would. Yes. But how do you have such a great 
attitude with it because I feel like we definitely live in an era where uh, there is another person out there who, if they walked into a, th- a restaurant and a guy said, can I help you, sir, immediately going on social media, I can't believe this right. restaurant right. is so disrespectful yeah. and how are these people? So how do you not get swept up in... Being offended? Yes, being yeah. offended. I, I stopped being offended a long time ago because <laughs> I, I used to get uber offended as a kid. Not, not just about that stuff, but um, if I felt slighted, um, uh, you know, I mean, I had my stuff for sure. But, you know, I think just the maturing emotionally, you, you let that stuff roll off your back because it's not personal. Right. And, and now if someone were to say something to me like that, it would be laughable. Well, also because I think social media has trained us to take everything personally. Yes. Oh, because, that is the worst thing about because it. Because I, I got a yeah confirmation from the front row. Yeah, I appreciate yeah. that. I must have made a good point. But the idea that... Um, Social media teaches you that everything is about you. Yeah. Algorithms teach you that everything you want I is available to you. Chris. And so when things happen, we personalize hey. it. And go, I can't believe that. Per- Even yeah. if it didn't happen to you, that's the most offensive. You know, we're so addicted to the power rush of being offended and outraged. And when people support, like, you know, a particular candidate who now got the job, well, you know, saying to people, I'm here for you because you've been kicked around enough. And everybody, yeah. Right. You know, there's this whole thing about we do it for you. It's kind of the whole um, uh, advertising ethos, too, is about you are, you are important to us. How about that when you, go, when you call something, they say, um, please hold the line. Your call is very important to us. <laughs> so no, important it's that, not. So important that we made that on a recording. Right, exactly. Yeah. If it's not, um, that's innately not special. Yeah, you right, say that exactly. to everyone. Yeah. But I think uh, not that there aren't things to be outraged about in the world and not that there aren't things that we should genuinely be offended by, but I think it's what do you do with that? I think yeah. if you stay in that place of outrage and offense without really trying to understand yeah. and work through and create change, then it's like, I think that's the, that's the part where we really get sucked in by our egos. Yeah, I, I think so too. I think just this whole being easily offended thing, like I just, I, I think being offended is, is, an, is an ego response, a, a damaged ego response. I don't know. And do you have any advice for people out there who might I, go, Jane, that's a good point. How do I be less It's offended? not about you. Nothing is about you. It really isn't. It's always about the person who's saying it. Right. Always. Even if it's I love you and I think you're beautiful. You know, well, that's nice. But, uh, you know, if you, uh, it, it, the opposite, of course, is if you need that valid, if you need the validation of someone telling you how wonderful you are. Um, it, either way, it's not good. Yeah, you know. Either way, it's not good. It's it, they, all of it comes and goes. I hate you today. I love you tomorrow, and just you know, let it all roll off your back. That's a great. That is a phenomenal way. And and I and I really do try to. I know I try to do that. My wife would say like, you probably should try to do that a little bit harder. It's <laughs> uh, like, why are you reading social media in bed? Oh, it's for work. No, it's not. Stop! Stop it! Stop it! Yeah, you don't know me. Yes, I do. Okay. <laughs> I was reading uh, Twitter. Before it came out here, and it's just, it, oh boy, it could really ruin your day. It's poisonous. It's poisonous, and there, you know, it's just a, it's a tough world, and you know, and you've got people being so thin-skinned about stuff, and it, yeah, I, I don't know why I did. And that. then also, do you do, do you ever think like maybe I don't need to be on social media yes. anymore? Well, I, I'm going to stay on social media. Uh, uh, Twitter is the only one that I, and I I'm going to tweet stuff that, yeah, you know, like professional, like I'm going to be on this show or. Watch this animated movie. I thought it was cool. That kind of stuff that nobody cares about that they go, oh, I'm going to unfollow Jane Lynch because she's boring. But um, I, I, I will stay on it, but I just, I, I'm, not, I'm not retweeting political stuff anymore. Yeah. Just uh, you know, kind of let it all go. I just think it's important for people like, I think it's important for voices like yours in the world because I do think you're a great role model. I think you're a great role model for so many reasons, but even just being able to have someone that sort of feels like, hey, yeah, there's fucked up stuff that's going on, but... You know, it's not all about you, and it's and it's and and it, you'll be okay. You're going to be okay. I feel like that is a very calming. We need that type yeah. of a calming voice in yeah, the yeah. world. Yeah, you know, I hear you. I hear um, you. So uh, we talked about TV credits. So just let's just get through some let's just get through some film credits really fast here. Uh, oh, Wreck It Ralph, phenomenal. Thank uh, you. Phenomenal job. Wreck It Ralph two coming up. Wreck It Ralph two, yeah. Yeah, coming up. Rich Moore. Yeah, isn't he wonderful? Rich Moore is a damn genius. He is, and he's like the most. He's the was the director of both, and also he did Zootopia. I think? He did. He worked on Zootopia. He was <laughs> uh, he was one of the guys at Futurama. He worked on The Simpsons. Oh, oh okay. He, yeah, he's when you look at his That's credits. Right. I knew he was on The Simpsons. You go, oh wow, the, all he's these like amazing. The Nicest, un, most unassuming, kindest guy in the world, and he's a genius. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but and then we get to forty-year-old virgin, 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 yeah. virgin, 40-year-old yeah. virgin, yep. and 
Um, I, I do know that you almost turned that down. So I, I almost did, and I don't know why I almost did. Thank God I didn't. And when I improvised with Steve, who I knew from Second City, uh, Carell, and um, we came up with a thing where I deflowered him. So <laughs> I wanted to do that. You know, we, we improvised that together, so I for sure wanted to do that. Yeah, that was just a moment. That was a blurb, and it would have been a stupid stupid moment in time if I did. I mean, how do you... How do you Because obviously, mm-hmm. you know, agents, managers, people, everyone kind of has their own M.O. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so when you start to have options, when you start to say, okay... Now mm-hmm. people know who I am. I can do these things that I want. You know, what's your what's your sort of guiding force that where you make sure that you're that you're being true to who you are and following the right stuff and not listening to other people? Oh, oh, uh, well, I, I just do all the. I listen to me all the time. I I don't listen to anybody else. <laughs> um, I guess uh, you know uh, I'm not doing stuff just to do it anymore. Whereas I used to. I mean, you saw that IMDb page. I just loved working. So I don't do that so much anymore. Right. Uh, you know, like if someone invites me to for. $100 a day to do something that looks like fun. If it's not going to be extremely fun, I probably won't do it. Right. Um, but, uh, like, here's the deal. I, I, I saw the posters for The Good Fight, and I love... I can't remember her name now. Which one? Oh, it's uh, Christine Baranski? Christine, sorry about yeah. that. I love Christine Baranski. I think she's an amazing actress. So I watched, like, the first two episodes, and I said to myself, I said, Self, I want to do a part on that show. Just a part. I just would love to be on that show. I'd love to work with her. And, like, within two days, I got a call. That they, for a role, and, but not working with Christine, unfortunately. But the two women I worked with were fantastic. And so that was a blast. I got to play this really crazy FBI person who's like uh, crazy like a fox. You know, she acts like a real down-home person, but then she goes in with the knife. And- well, it sounds like... It also sounds like you might be magic. Uh, because you summoned, <laughs> yeah, you, I, I felt that way. You kind of summoned that I, a little bit. I felt bit. like I summoned it. Yeah, that was strange. But I think having so much experience... Under your belt. And again, I, I would recommend improv training no matter what field you work in. I agree. It really does teach you how to be flexible. But I feel like it also gives you a confidence when you go on to something and everything's going to be okay. So, like, yeah. so when you're working with uh, Meryl Streep in Julia and Julia, yeah. did, did you feel when you were there... Did you feel like, yeah, yeah, I belong here. I under, I, I can do this. Or was that there was any a tough sell for me? <laughs> Even that, that was one. one where I had to really talk myself into uh, confidence. Yeah, I was, I was very nervous. Not only was it. Meryl Streep, it was Stanley Tucci and Nora Ephron. Right. um, uh, You know, and I was playing the sister of Meryl Streep, and and they're they're affectionate with each other. They were each other's best friends. So without having met her, showing up, like, basically the first day, and hi, and jumping into this, I was nervous. I was very nervous. And I went the day before before I started working because Nora wanted to show me how she was playing um, Julia so that I would be in the same world, you know, um, and... She, all her choices were, well, first of all, uh, Julia Child was a huge woman. Yeah. Physically and energetically. And everything she did was, oh, you know, like that. And I guess the sister was just as, you know, animated. So um, as I was watching her do that, I was like, okay, I think I'm, I think we're in the right world because that's how I practiced it too. Yeah. How I, I kind of worked on it. And uh, it, it, it worked out. I mean, so when, when you're in a situation like that, is it, cause I think some of it is just the experience comes out yes. when, once you start doing it. It's just, it's just naturally there because you've yeah. done it so much. But is there anything you do in particular to get into your comfort space so you can, you know, you can, because it's easy when you're performing yeah. in front of your group, in front of your friends, and yeah. in, when you're in your safe space. Right, right. But when you get taken out of that element, like, what do you do to kind of get yourself into that comfort I zone? I admit I'm scared. Yeah. Say, so you're scared. It's okay. And I talk to myself like I'm over there. You're scared. It's okay. <laughs> and you also know how to do this. Yeah. So just... Well, that, that, that just sounds like, yeah, I think that's a commentary on just being present. Yes, exactly. When you, when you admit that you're scared, you're mm-hmm. being present in the situation. Right, exactly. Yeah, and that's, that's all that stuff is. And yeah. I assume you had an amazing time with Meryl Streep. I did, yeah. It, it was really great. And it happens, every, it happens so fast because Nora shoots pretty fast. And uh, so it was like I was, felt like I was walking away going, I did it. <laughs> Back there somewhere, but it's, it's been done. But it happened. I don't remember what happened. Yeah, I don't. I have no idea what happened, but I think it was good. Guess we'll see. <laughs> yeah. Uh, do you, did your parent? Do your parents watch your stuff? Yeah. Oh, yeah, proud? yeah. Both my parents have passed away, but my mother. Uh, I think the last thing she saw me do was Julie Julia. Oh wow! And she. <laughs> I have a great little story about this. My uh, my mom came to the premiere of Julie Julia, and it was a big deal. She loves Meryl Streep, and my mother was very um, Swedish. She was, you know, kind of. Uh, a little, um, I was going to say cold, but she wasn't cold. 
But she, she wasn't someone to rave, you know. She, she wasn't one to go on and on. In fact, she didn't like that. You know, like, I was, I was definitely someone who went on and on, and she, I could see her as I was a kid, like, going, I don't know if I like this one very much. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, so she was um, uh, about 80 at the time, and we were on the red carpet, and my mom was kind of walking with me. And all of a sudden, we heard the crowd behind the barric- barricades go, <gasps> And I looked, and it's Meryl Streep. Oh, wow. And so I, I, I look over, and I'm doing interviews, and I looked over, and I feel this breeze go by me, and it's my mother running. <laughs> <laughs> Your 80-year-old mother running. 80-year-old mother. But I've never seen her run in my life. She's kind of one of those, you know, takes her time. And she just whoop, made a beeline for Meryl Streep, and I was like, excuse me. <laughs> I'm hoofing after her. And she gets up to Meryl Streep, and Meryl Streep does this, because you, you think you're safe behind you Sure. Know, there's Right. And she said, I'm Jane Lynch's mother. And she went, oh, that's very nice to meet you. Oh, that's very sweet, sweet, though. So it was very, yeah. So there's a picture of, like, Meryl Streep uh, on the red carpet, and you see my mother in the background like this. <laughs> and, and Meryl Streep not knowing, am I going to have to dive behind a barricade? What's about to happen? Right, Why right, is right. this older lady running in right, the face? Exactly. Uh, so was, was Glee, was it, was it Glee that kind of, that you feel like pulled all the pieces together? I mean, because Glee really, to me, and people obviously knew who you were because of uh, uh, Best in Show, but I think Glee putting you like consistently in people's living rooms every week on a yeah, show Yeah, oh yeah, that definitely. That changes everything. Right. For sure. Uh, how, you know, walking through your life. When you um, are a familiar character like that, it, it, it's yeah, it's different. It was an adjustment. It definitely was. And I'm a pretty social person, but um, it, it, it's it can be shocking sometimes. I don't know if you experience this, but when you walk in just to get your coffee, and and people kind of go <gasps> like that, that kind of uh, yeah. Well, I mean. Yeah, you I guess that, that happens sometimes. <laughs> I don't know. No, the thing that freaks me out is like when you're in an elevator and then you get up to your hotel room and then you check Twitter and someone goes, hey, I just saw you picking your nose in the elevator. And you're like, shit! You know, like, everywhere is just, you know, yeah, yeah. I, I get a little paranoid because I go, yeah, like, they're watching, they're watching. Right. They're most, always- and most of the kids, most of the people who are, you know, Glee fans are kids, so it's very hard to tell, like, a five-year-old child to buzz off. Well, also because the show... So I don't. The sh- <laughs> it's like, actually, I was just about to quote another Ryan Murphy show where it's, uh, did you watch, uh, did you watch um, uh, Betty and Joan feud? Oh, yes. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. That was fantastic. One of the, I think one of the funniest things I've ever seen on a show is Betty Davis getting out of the car, and it's the young reporter there. Uh, Miss Davis, would you have any comment on uh, Joan Crawford saying you're cold enough to play her, her mother? Uh, what's your name, kid? Stella. Fuck off, Stella. Great. <laughs> <laughs> What a grand she just breathes by. Yeah. But also a show like Glee is really about that uncontrolled exuberance. Yes. You know, so people who connect with that. But boy, Ryan Murphy, what a friggin' uh, hit machine. Unbelievable, yeah. yeah. And one after the other, and they're all different, and they're all brilliant. And did you work, was he pretty hands-on on the show? He was, like, about the first, the first season he was, and then he was off creating everything else, like American Horror Story. So he wasn't around as much, but... His hands are on everything. You know, yeah. the scripts have to go. But he, he he okayed everything, every costume. Yeah, he was on it. He might not have been physically present. I didn't see him much, but he was uh, uh, he was definitely a present. How many seasons of that show? Five and a half. Five and a half seasons. And it uh, by the end, was it hard to say goodbye to it, or did no, you feel it like felt, it was time? It, it felt like it was time. It felt like it was right. Um, I think that you know we lost a lot of. The you know the 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 air was kind of knocked on out of us after Corey Monteith passed away. That was hard, um, and uh, so I think uh, you know kind of it went as long as it was supposed to. Right. Yeah. And then did you immediately start working on something else? Or did you I take did. A break. I didn't. I, I I did a pilot and it was picked up and we did eleven episodes in CBS called Angel from Hell that I loved doing but we were canceled after. Thank you to the four people who watched. Oh good. Thank you. Um, some of you are just clapping because you feel bad for me. <laughs> That's okay. That's all right. I'll take oh, it. Oh, poor Jane. Yeah. First her mom attacked Meryl Streep and now this. I mean, she can't catch a break. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. But that was, uh, I really enjoyed doing that. And uh, now I'm just doing little stuff here and there. Uh, I'll do another television show if the right one comes along. Absolutely. But, you know, for right now. I That's just nice. But like you, feel, you feel, you know, pretty solid. Like, yeah, whatever happens, happens. Oh, absolutely. Are you good yeah. with free time? I am great with free time. What do you do with free time? Um, you know, I don't, I drink coffee. Yeah. I stay home with my dogs. I love my house. But I've been touring a lot. I've been doing um, uh, 
um, a cabaret show mm -hmm. with uh, Kate Flannery, who was married to the Office. I love Kate Flannery. She's yeah. the best. She was also in The Lampshades. Exactly. Oh, Kate my gosh. Flannery. Yes, the best. Lampshades, yeah. Yeah, she's great. And uh, uh, we have a five-piece band, and this guy, Tim Davis, who was a vocal arranger on Glee. And we have, like, a trio, and we go, we've been going all over the country. That's incredible. And it's been so much fun. And then next week, I'm doing the St. Louis Symphony all by myself. Holy cats. I know. What are you going to that I grew up with. Do you remember Alan Sherman? Do you know who he yeah, is? Yeah, yeah, of course. Uh, do you remember Hello Mudda, Hello Fada? Yeah, of course. I'm gonna do that one. Uh, I'm going to do uh, some uh, Irving Berlin. I'm going to do some uh, Chet Baker, some Cole Porter, some, uh, God, I can't even NWA. Remember. No, I'm kidding. Exactly. <laughs> it's like we're going to do Hello Mother, Hello Fada, Fuck the Police, yeah. um, you know, and then some show tunes. My Anaconda yeah. Don't, <laughs> which we actually do in, uh, in a three-part harmony in our cabaret show. That's Three, the, the whitest people you've ever seen. Incredible. <laughs> That's incredible. Anaconda Don't. I thought you were going to continue with that I could, a little bit. But you could, but yeah. we'll save it for the we'll performance. Save, we'll save it for We'll absolutely save it for the performance. Uh, yeah. We come back, we're going to take a quick break. Our audience members are going to step up. They're going to ask some questions. We're going to hear from you guys at home. If you want to be part of the show, we're at Talking on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Exclusive updates about upcoming guests. And then you can ask questions using the hashtag TalkingHardwick because we live in a hashtag culture mm -hmm. and nothing is anything unless you can tag it with a hash. Uh, no matter who I'm talking to, <laughs> we want you to be part of the conversation. More with Jane Lynch in just a bit. We'll see you on Talking. My guest is Jane Lynch. Now, it's not about me anymore. It is about you and the audience. So let's have an audience member come on up and ask a question, and then I will give a prize. Oh, it's you now. Oh, it's the lover. Hi. Um, my name's May, and um, I just wanted to ask you, Jane, what was your favorite Sue Sylvester insult? Um, oh, I like the one. It's not so much as it was a proclamation. She said, uh, from now on, I will no longer be carrying photo ID because people should know who I am. <laughs> Excellent. I mean, oh, man. I feel like I have the perfect thing for you. What is your name? May. May? Oh, yeah. ah, come on. Signed by Jane Lynch. Listen up, losers, it says. There you go. Perfect. You're so welcome. I'm so glad. I'm so glad. That's a good one. I know that is a good one. Uh, let's take a video message. Ooh. Hi, Jane. This is Brandon from Overland Park, Kansas. What's the craziest moment you've witnessed from a taping of Hollywood Game Night that maybe didn't make it to air? First of all, I want to know why Brandon lives in front of a green screen. <laughs> <laughs> you could put him into any situation True. right there. True. Um, well, uh, I was uh, dry humped by Martin Short. Of course. Um, and that ended up, and it was fun. I enjoyed it. It was, it was, it was I mean, sensual. I, I guess better than being wet humped by Martin uh, Short. Yes. Yeah. And there you go. Yeah. Um, let's see. Uh, and, uh, and that did make it on air, I believe. And uh, we've had a couple of uh, drunk episodes of people we had, we had to cut off, and I'm not going to say who. Well, I got to tell you, because when I did the show, I mean, again, I'm not a drinker, so it doesn't affect me, but... You, but you guys do set. There is a I whole know. bar backstage. Mm -hmm. There's a there's. And they, when they, your drink is empty, we we refill. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We stopped doing that up. last season though because it did bite us. It did bite us. Well, of course, because because <laughs> you know your call time is usually a little bit in advance of the show. Right. So people are backstage and they're enjoying, and yeah. then before you know it, it's like you know two three hours. Of, oh my gosh, uh, we we had some amazing moments <laughs> that you, you will never see. But without <laughs> without naming any names per se, yeah. what what is one drunken moment? That, did, that didn't make it to air. There was a moment where um, the uh, we were in the final round of Celebrity, and one of the celebrities that was chosen to give the clues decided that she wanted to uh, make it a, um, a, uh, a soapbox moment about how hard it is to be a single mother and get good good nannies. <laughs> oh, no. And how it's hard and very serious. I had no idea Gwyneth Paltrow was on your show. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. It wasn't her at all. Celebrity, or who was the, the the normie, was looking at going. This this is not going to go well. Did she not me. win the? She, did she not. didn't win the thing. No. I mean, you you do have to remember when you're on that show, you were there to help someone win. I know. Twenty five thousand dollars. That was you know? lost in that the. Was, yeah. That was so that was completely moment. lost. I mean, Hollywood Game Night is one of those concepts that I know. Because there are these legendary like groups of celebrities right. around Hollywood that would have game nights. You know, right. people's like Neil Patrick Harris is a big game yep. night guy, and people like that. And uh, and so people would always talk about, oh, we have to make it a show. We have to make it a show. So what what was it specifically about your version of it that you think just clicked in and worked so beautifully? Well, one of those notorious game show people in the Hollywood uh, arena is uh, Sean Hayes. Right. Yes. He has um, he has this 
big house, and he created all of his own games, and you go from room to room. And it's a mix of his celebrity friends and then his, pe- his friends who are bankers and uh, caterers or whatever they do. So it was the great equalizer. And so he was smart enough to say, hey, let's put that on television. So Sean is the creator of our yeah. show. So I think that's what makes it special is that we create all of our own games. And what you have are celebrities instead of, like, I love this kind of a talk show. Right. Where we get to have a conversation. Yeah. But, you know, kind of the contrived um, late night talk show where you're yeah. like, sitting on the couch and you say, well, tell me about what happened to the car wash or whatever. <laughs> and I tell a moderately, vaguely lukewarm, funny story. Um, the Hollywood game night is all about the celebrities just being themselves and having fun. Yeah. So I think as a celebrity, you'd much rather do game night. I had so much fun doing your show. Great. And I got to meet Mike Coulter, who was Luke Cage. And yeah, he right. was great. Yeah. And the whole the whole experience, just top to bottom, was so much Wasn't fun. Wasn't it fun? And what happens is, is it, the, these are people, and this is why I love throwing parties, too. Um, you'll have like three three celebrities on a couch and Normie, and who have never met each other before, and they're pals and teammates and having a great time. By the end, I, that makes me so happy when I give a party and I see people who otherwise wouldn't have known each other, and they're having a great time together. That's yeah, I mean that, that's exactly what it feels like. But it really it really just feels like we're all hanging out. Yeah. And by the way, this happens to be filmed, and yes. we're doing this thing, and someone might win money by the end. Yeah. Um, I'm just going to take a couple questions from social media here. Uh, one, Andrew Rose on Instagram. What is the most surreal moment you've had in show business? Surreal moment. There. I guess having your mom run full bore yeah, at Meryl Streep is kind of weird. Yeah, at Meryl Streep. Um, surreal. Oh, that's such a good question. You know, there, there's been there is minimal bad behavior in my history. Is it yeah. yours too? Yes. You know, but every once in a while, you know, especially when I was uh, younger, doing like guest spots, um, bad behavior, people um, putting up with just really bad behavior on the part of. You know, a, a star right. uh, always just blew my mind. Yeah, and but I think it's also a good learning experience when you see that and you go, yeah. "Oh yeah, maybe don't do that." Yeah, maybe yeah. Uh, keep your feet on the ground before that happens. Yeah, because because sometimes you know, well, you you talked about how commercial, like the commercial audition process, can ruin a lot of people. Yes. Like it can make, <laughs> but I think people kind of come out with whatever baggage they went in with. Uh, I agree. And I think you know, sometimes people come into this business, they go, "Well, I'm successful. That's going to fix me." And then, you know, when you get that, then you're like, shit, I'm not fixed. Yeah, you know? I know, yeah. So I think people really do, you know, I think your personality is just, that's who you are. That's who you were coming in, and that's who you are, yeah, you know. I'm going out. Come, come in, <laughs> coming <laughs> through the that? process, coming through the process on the other side. But but I do think that uh, that it is important to remember that it's silly that we get to do this stuff for I know, a it is. It's like, it's like playing house for a living. It really is. Yeah. Oh, you're going to play my daughter. Oh, and you're going to be my husband. This is so much fun. I'm not coming out of my trailer. God damn it. Come on. Uh, let's take another question from the audience. Uh, what is your name? Hey, Kim. Kim. What's I your question? all the way from Calgary. What? Calgary, Just bro? Just to see you. You drove oh, from I did. Calgary? I did. By yourself? Well, with my daughter and my grandson who are back at the hotel. Oh, they're back at the yeah. hotel. That's He's amazing. 10. He couldn't come in. He couldn't come in. <laughs> that is so a sorry. long drive. It is. Well, I'm thank you for coming. Yes. What, well, is your, what is your question? My question is... I'm I, sorry. That's all, all the time we no, have. Sorry. Thank you so much. <laughs> We're driving in from Calgary. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. We, uh, we, hearing all about your comedic and singing, and I love Criminal Minds, and oh. I love your character on Criminal Minds. It was so crazy this year. Yeah. What is it like to play such an emotionally taxing role? Well, you know, I did, like I always do, I do my research, and I get very precise about it, and um, I, uh, I play uh, Matthew Gubler, the actor, his, uh, he plays Reed. I play his mother, Dana Reed. And um, I've been institutionalized. I have, uh, I'm uh, 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 one of my bipolar and schizophrenic and early um, onset Alzheimer's now. And so, um, you know, this is a woman who just is trying to keep things organized in her head. She has, uh, always has like a flurry of things going on and the best she can do is just be very still. You're so, excellent at it. Oh, well, thank yeah, you. But that was, that, was, uh, yeah. that was, it continues to be wonderful. I yeah, hope I go back yes. next season. And then I understand, I mean, I can understand that playing a role like that is also... There's a tremendous amount of social responsibility, I would imagine, to portray this character. Yeah, you with don't this... want to do something. You know, you really want to know what you're doing. And right. the writers are so smart. They're not just kind of cavalierly throwing off a mental disease. They, they know what it is. And um, they uh, gave me certain challenges as an actor because of these, this particular disorder. And um, so, yeah, it was my, my job to figure out what that was. Yes. That's great. Kim, uh, I, I'm going to, boy, I, I feel like I want to give you something extra special because uh, um, I'm going I'm to let you pick here what, what you want. I mean, you could have this. 
It's got uh, a whistle too. Um, this is uh, this is a script from Best in Show, which is really just uh, an empty because there's no we script, so it's just it a cover page uh, here. Um, you could have this if you want. Rhapsody it. in blue. Uh, and, then, uh, and then a dodgeball, if you wanted a dodgeball. Is there anything that uh, you drove all the way? You should get I, to pick. I, I think I'll do the jacket. You're going to do, you're gonna do the sweatsuit. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Signed by Jane on the front right there. Thank you so, Thank you so much. much for coming. Thank you, Thank you, Thank you. Thank you to make the drive. Let's take a video message from a fan. Take a look. Hi, I'm Cliff from San Jose, California. My question is, if you could travel back in time and talk to your 15-year-old self, what words of wisdom would you give her? Oh, that's so great. Um, I actually have thought about this, and I, I wrote a memoir, and that was actually the first line was, what would I say to my 18-year-old self? But let me go back to 15-year-old self. <laughs> um, the first thing I would say is, do not worry. Stop worrying about everything's going to turn out fine. You're going to be a big star, have Emmys, and make a lot of money. No, I wouldn't say that. <laughs> <laughs> but I, it'd be implied. I, it would be implied, but it would be uh, have faith in your life. And I would say that to anybody. And uh, instead of reaching out for things, which I always did, I was like, well, how, you know, I didn't want the parade to pass me by. Sure. I would say, just relax. The parade's coming to you. And it comes to everybody. But, ha- but, but, but trying to remember that in the moment because, you know, it can be so difficult sometimes oh, yeah. when you feel overwhelmed and then you, the, the world can be overwhelming and then you have your self-doubt and your insecurities. And not, I mean, you, I mean the royal you. It's just really, yeah, it's a, and it's a particularly difficult time when you're 15 because of the hormones and the craziness and you're not a kid and you're not an adult yet. And, uh, yeah, I would just say just don't worry. And I think I would have listened. I really, I really think I would have listened. All I wanted someone to do was to tell me don't worry. Yeah. Because everybody's telling you, oh, you better do this, you better do that. Well, and now, again, you know, just because we, we know everything that's going on at all times in right. the world. And it, most of what we see is negative because, yeah. you know, the people respond. I mean, there is a lot of negative stuff in the world. There's also positive things. I know. Agreed. And we don't hear about the positives. No, because, because, because negativity and fear drives traffic. Yeah, And exactly. so it's, it's more profitable to fear monger to get people upset because then you're going to go to the web. It's all clickbait. You know, yeah, we're in this sort exactly. of fear We love to feel culture. outraged. I, mean, yeah. I think we, I, I know when I'm on my Twitter feed, it, I all go to it unconsciously to be outraged about something. Yeah. Oh, and, I, you know, I watched some things today that just blew. Oh, and I had to put my phone away and go, there's, there's some great stuff going on out there, too. You really do. Yeah, I think it is important to find nuggets of things in real life that are calming and are peaceful and a little mm-hmm. bit of a... A little bit of a positive, safe space yeah. from the rest of it. Um, let's see. Jenny Who 34 what is your favorite and least favorite role and why? You don't have to say least favorite because that's kind of negative. You can yeah. if you want. But, but let, let's just say what's your, what's your favorite role so far? Well, I don't have a least favorite. I, I, I can't think of something that I disliked. But um, I love doing uh, Constance Carmel on uh, uh, Party Down, which was a show we did on uh, it's a great Stars show. Adam Network. Scott. Adam Scott, Lizzie Kaplan, Ken Marino. Uh, uh, Ryan Hansen. It's an incredible group of comedy people. Yeah, really great. Uh, Martin Starr. Um, and we were basically left to our, we were played caterers who would go, every episode was a different party. And um, we all were wannabes and some, like I was a, a kind of an ex-actress who wanted to, you know, have a revival. Some people wanted to be actors, some people wanted to be screenwriters. You know, uh, one of them wanted to run his own catering company. So it was people in that place of, like, I wish I was somewhere else except right here. <laughs> and uh, we were left alone by Stars Network. We didn't get any notes. And the, guy, the uh, production team and the creators of uh, Veronica Mars were our writers. And uh-huh. Just, uh, yeah, John Embaum and uh, Rob Thomas and Dan. Oh, Hattie. yeah, Rob, yeah. Yeah. That's and, great. Uh, yeah, so we had a blast. And was it, it how many episodes of that show did you We did do? 10 episodes of the first season, and then I left to do Glee. <clears throat> and um, Megan Mullally came in and, and joined the group in the second Season is fantastic too, so you can see that I think on like iTunes. It's really good. It's on iTunes. Yeah, Party Down's yeah. great. If you guys haven't seen it yet, before we go to break, uh, the extended version of this chat will be available as a podcast on Nerdist. Also, go to amc.com/talking. You're going to get your bonus clips. You're going to have exclusive content. Links to the podcast for every one of the episodes. Uh, more with Jane Lynch in just a few moments. We'll see you. Let's give some more love to the studio audience. Come on up and ask a question. Hi. What's your name? Uh, Erica Howe. What is your question for Jane, Erica? 
Um, before your acting career really kind of took off, we all know that like actors all had to go through all these like odd jobs. What was your strangest one that you've done? Mm. <laughs> I pumped gas at Sears. What? <laughs> yeah, we used to have a gas island at our Sears in um, Calumet City, Illinois, which is a town next to my town. And um, I, uh, I wasn't allowed to pump the... I was allowed to do the windshields, but I would, I would sneak and pump the gas. What? <laughs> You're a rule breaker, yeah, Jane no, Lynch. I was a rebel even back then. <laughs> I also took... Um, I was at a fitting room at Sears. I kind of worked in many different departments, and I was the person who said, how many? And gave you your thing. Gave you the card, how many things mm-hmm. you have. You want any of it? Nope. Okay, then I have to hang it back up. <laughs> Excellent. What is, uh, 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 did you have another question? Um, you, you don't, don't have, have to. to. <laughs> it just looked like maybe you were about to... I think she was about to thank me. Oh, yeah. Uh, thank you. You're I, welcome. I wonder if, um, I wonder what I can give to you... Hmm. What would be good? Would you like uh, this uh, Best in Show uh, script book? Okay, here you go. This is for you, Erica. Thank you. Uh, Fantastic. Uh, Think fast. (laughs) Come on. Why would you not? And now I'm out because you caught it. Shit! No good at dodgeball. Uh, good reflexes, by yeah, the way. Yeah, really. All right, let's check it. Let's uh, let's ask a couple more questions. Uh, this is from JLu111 on Instagram. What influence do you think your role on the L word had on women in general and gay women? Oh, um, well, I think the I don't know about my character so much, but, I, but I'll get to that. I'll go general first. Um, I think the L word was kind of like All in the Family was for not being so precious about television. Right. And then we kind of backtracked. Okay. (laughs) You know, if you watch All in the Family now, you go, oh, my God, that was revolutionary. But you would think that shows would continue to be that good and that brilliant. Right. Well, here you had a a group of lesbians kind of who loved each other as friends. It wasn't all about coming out and, um, you know, it was kind of like a soap opera and it was about relationship drama and stuff, but... It normalized, uh, you know, that you know, lesbians are people like everybody else. They have their dramas. They have their, um, their betrayals. They have their, they have their straight friends and their gay friends. And right. uh, I think it, it was a great step forward, and we haven't had anything like it since. That was 2006. Wow. I mean, is it, is it, is it surprising to you that in 2017 that we still have to have conversations with people like, yeah, it's not... Strange. Yeah. It's normal. It's yeah. just hum- It's just humans. What just is humans. the fucking problem? I know. I, that, I think it's that need to be outraged. Yeah. We're all we're all protecting our little territory of what we think is right. Right. And so you know, as long as we're like that, we're gonna. This is gonna happen. But it seems like we make these huge strides forward, and then we fall back a little bit, only to take off. Hope, and I, I, think I hope so. Kind of where we're at. I hope that's the case. Uh, all right. This is uh, from Chris Everett Dar on Twitter. How was it singing with Olivia Newton-John surrounded by sexy guys in spandex? Oh. I barely noticed the guys because I kept looking into the baby blues of Olivia Newton-John. Perfect, perfect, yeah. She's, um, you know, I had a huge crush on her when I was... Um, As did I. Kid. Yep. Yeah. And she was just... Uh, remember I Honestly Love You, that song? Yes. Oh, that used to just break my heart, and There's I loved a, her. I, I, I'm legitimately... Unironically, will go through and just watch all the Olivia Newton-John videos. Because really? I, I, yes. The, the two... When, when I first sort of had a sense of what being attracted to the opposite sex was, it was uh, Carrie Fisher as Princess Leia. Okay. And then uh, Olivia Newton-John mm-hmm. as Sandy in Greece. Greece, yeah. Those two things. And when, when she puts on the, span, like, the spandex at the end, I was like, yeah. what's Woo! happening to me? <laughs> it confirmed my lesbianism. Yeah, that's when I went. Oh, I'm screwed. <laughs> I'm screwed. You watch these old music videos of her, and it was like, oh, she's you know, she was Taylor Swift before Taylor Swift. Yes. she was just like this perfect being. Yeah, she and she continues to be a perfect being. I, I really enjoyed doing that with her, and uh, we remade the physical video, which she told me that um, she was kind of. She, she didn't like to do sexy things when she was younger. She, she was very modest, and they put her in that spandex outfit, and she was so afraid of it. She was so, it was such a risk for her to do that. And you look at it, now, it looks so lame. Yeah, it's just not that crazy. Yeah, it's not no, that it's crazy not that at crazy, all. Yeah. Uh, okay, this is from Joey M. Avina on Twitter. What performance on Glee was your favorite? Mm, let's see. Oh, my God, there were so many. I thought the Thriller was an amazing uh, thing when they did Thriller on the football um, field. Um, Vogue. 
I mean, yeah. I vote, and not just because I starred in it, <laughs> but because it was, we took the original Vogue, Vogue video and we copied it almost frame for frame. Right. And as we were shooting it, they would have the video up on this monitor and what we were doing on this monitor, and they were matching the lighting. You know, it was black and white. And we used a lot of the same props that they used in uh, the original video because it was at the Paramount um, prop uh, house when we shot on Paramount. Oh, wow, that's so that really cool. Amazing. So that was really a, a fun thing to do, and it took us one whole day. It looks like it you know, could take a week to do. But you guys, you guys banged it out in yeah, one day. Yeah, we banged it out in one day. Mm-hmm. So uh, as we're wrapping this up, and I feel like, we've, I feel like there's been a lot of like, nice, juicy uh, wisdom nuggets uh, throughout this conversation with you, but is there something that you want to leave the audience with wisdom-wise? Like, what's something that you live by or something maybe a relative told you at some point or something you keep in your head? What's one nugget that you, you can leave everyone with? Um, stay as firmly in the now as you can in the present. Because there's nothing else. There's really, all you have are memories and, well, and projections into the future. But I just, I, you know, I, 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 there are, you know, your head is going to criticize you all the time. And I'm, I'm learning to just let that be quiet and just stay, see what's really juicy about right now. And it's there. It's any, any time of the day. It's, it's the, the best place to be is now. And I, I love that you say, like, that, you know, your head's going to criticize you. I think mm-hmm. it's fun to pretend like... Your life is the Muppet Show, and the voice in your head is our Statler and Waldorf right, right, going, right. why do we perfect. always come here, you know? Yeah, I think that's perfect. And you keep doing the fucking Muppet Show. You exactly. keep doing the Muppet Show. They don't stop doing the Muppet Show because those guys are criticizing right, them. Right, exactly. They just kind of go, okay, you yeah, know, whatever. just put them up there. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, so just learn to not internalize your own personal Statler exactly, and Waldorf. Exactly, that's perfect. <laughs> uh, but I, I cannot it. thank you so much for being oh, here. Chris, I cannot thank you. you enough for being here, Jane Lynch. You are delightful, and I knew you'd be an amazing Yes, well, thank I really you. I, I'm it. so glad you reached thank out. Thank you for coming here. Twitter. Please sure to check out Hollywood Game Night, which is on NBC, a fine network. Uh, and I think my episode, I don't know by the time if this airs, if, it, if mine will have been on or not, but it doesn't matter. Watch all Hollywood Game Night. Starts, it starts the 22nd. It starts 22nd. Yeah. Great. Always check in with us at Talking on Facebook. Jane is at Jane Marie Lynch on Twitter. Uh, and hopefully we'll see you soon. We want you to be a part of the show, so make sure and stay involved. Let us know if there's anything you want to see, questions you have for people coming up. I'm Chris Hardwick at Hardwick on the tweets and the Instagrams. Please don't text and drive. I'm going to keep saying this until you stop doing it and have an amazing night. We'll see you. Take care. Bye-bye. <laughs> Now leaving Nerdist.com. Enjoy your burrito. Hey, it's Guy Raz here, the host of How I Built This, a podcast that gives you a front row seat to how some of the biggest products were built and the innovators, entrepreneurs, and idealists behind them. Every week, I speak to someone new. Stories like Justin Wolverton's, a lawyer who just wanted a healthy alternative to ice cream, so he created Halo Top in his Cuisinart. Or Todd Graves, who grew his fried chicken restaurant Raising Cane's into one of the most successful fast food chains in the U.S. All of these great conversations can help you learn how to think big, take risks, and navigate crises in life and work from people who've done all of that and more. Follow How I Built This on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen to How I Built This early and ad-free right now on Wondery Plus.